Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And continuing with the trend we started yesterday, we have a great college host guest for you guys today to give us some insight on a draft prospect. We have Jay Stevens, who is the host of Locked On Buckeyes, the Jay Stevens podcast, and the Monday host of the Locked On Big Ten podcast. Long credentials here, Gavin, to come on and talk to us about one Malachi Branham of Ohio State who could be available for the Knicks. Yeah, it was an interesting conversation, and I think we'll, at least for me, maybe some people did more Malachi Branham research, but I, I changed my perception on him a little bit from this conversation. We get into just how insane his work ethic is, where he's already a lead on the offensive end of the floor, and some areas of his game that he has to make substantial improvement if he wants to be a quick contributor in the NBA. So all that and more with Jay right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Arcade One Up. Bring home a slam dunk. Introducing NBA Jam Shack Edition from Arcade One Up. Pre-order now to play with legends. Arcade One Up is the place for authentic gaming experiences featuring licensed retro games from the golden age of arcades. Sign me the heck up. And uh, we wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your podcast platform of choice or you've made the jump to YouTube where you see our faces looking back at you every day. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. And of course we'd love if you had jumped in, if you're on YouTube, jump in the comment section, drop a comment and say hello, uh, or tell us we suck or whatever it is you feel like doing. <laughs> uh, but who are we? Who do you, who are you going to tell that they suck? I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick Slate, the Strickland, uh, which you can find at the strict land. He is Gavin Shaw. Your favorite play-by-play broadcaster is favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we've got a great episode coming up. There's no reason to delay it any further, so let's get right into it. Talking about Malachi Branham with Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by Jay Stevens, the host of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, in addition to hosting Locked On Big Ten on Mondays, in addition to also hosting the Jay Stevens podcast. Jay, you're a busy man, so we really appreciate you taking some of your time to join us uh, to talk uh, Malachi Branham. Gavin, Alex, happy to be here with you guys. Happy to talk some basketball. We're in the midst of talking season in college football. And so it's nice for me to get away from the football conversation to talk about a couple, well, really, Malachi Branham, a really, really talented guy on a basketball court. I I was going to say, you get the benefit of of talking about a much better team than we do with with the Ohio State (laughs) football team. But but we'll we'll, we'll ignore that fact for now. Hey, maybe if the Knicks get Malachi Branham, that could all change. So on, on that train of thought uh i wanted i want to start off uh the beginning of malachi's journey obviously getting to play at, at the legendary saint vincent saint mary's the, the home of, of one lebron james back in the day uh, was a guy who certainly wasn't unheralded as a high school recruit right top 40 in the country consensus um, i believe the highest ranked recruit of the chris holtman era the number one recruit in the state of ohio but and correct me if i'm wrong on this jay i don't know if expectations were necessarily for him to be a one and done what did you expect from Malachi Branham when he came into Ohio State? 
at least two years. I was not expecting one and done. Chris Holman had never had a one and done player until Malachi Branham came to Columbus, had a cup of coffee, and now he's going off to the NBA draft. So I was expecting two years. I was expecting somewhat of a slow initiation process to college basketball. I mean, it's a different game than high school. No matter if you're what, what level of high school you're playing, it's a different game, different speed, different strength different height element. So I was anticipating some growing pains early on, a little bit better plays throughout the middle of the season, but I didn't expect what we saw towards the end of the year for him. I called him the flourishing freshman because it seemed like every month he began to flourish even more and even more and even more. So my ex- expectations for him were more so let's good freshman year, really good sophomore year, go to the NBA. If things weren't hot his sophomore year, one more year at Columbus wouldn't hurt. But he's a flourishing freshman. He is off to the NBA, and he got an invite to be in the green room as well at the NBA draft. Really good, a really good year for him. It's really good that he's getting, really getting the um, appreciation and the praise for his one year in Columbus. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the fact that he kept getting better and better and better. And if you look at his stats, it really tells that story too. I mean, he started off, you know, the first two months of the season, November, December, shooting sub 40%, uh, shooting low. I mean, it was very low attempts, but, you know, low 30s in three point from three-point range, I should say. Uh, then finishes off the season, every single month gets better from the field and doesn't get better from three every single month, but at least starts shooting better. Like, shot 51% in January, then 53% in February, 54% in March. And, you know, got his three-point percentage up. I mean, what do you think led to his steady improvements throughout the year? Was it just getting more comfortable? Was it sort of finding a role that worked for him? Uh, and, and, you know, what do you think – how do you think that projects into his his NBA uh, readiness? Do you think that he's going to come in and be a guy that sort of struggles to find his zone at first, you know, and, and sort of – I mean, all rookies do – but some guys hit the ground running a little more than others. Do you think he's going to be more of a slow burn prospect? Or do you think now that he's sort of found himself at a high level of basketball like that, that he might be a candidate to come hit the ground running in the NBA? So the progression part was always interesting to me because he's 6'5". I think he's listed at 180. And so he's not like a kid coming in that weighs 160 that has to put on some weight. He already has some height. He has broad shoulders. He has he's, he has length. And so you knew that he'd be able to do certain things on a basketball court. But I wasn't expecting the progression. As you mentioned in the in the field goal percentage, you also could factor in the points per game. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but his points per game got better every single month that he played. And I think the game started to slow down for him. It's just like you guys hosting well, Locked On Knicks, me hosting Locked On Buckeyes. At some point, you start to get into a groove. You start to get comfortable. I remember I was I accidentally stumbled on this recently. I listened to a podcast I did last summer on Locks on Buckeyes, and I started to cringe. Now, I don't know if it was a microphone that I was using. I don't know if it was me. It could have been a combination of both. But I started to cringe because I realized something about that show, even though I think it, I got, the numbers were okay, like nobody complained about it, but I still think that show was not the best me, I'm better now than I was back then. And I think Malachi Branham, we quickly saw he's better. He got better every single month, but he got better in a quick clip. And so I do think that 
the progression we saw, the game slowed down. And as it slowed down, he realized how to use his height, how to use his strength, how to use his length to his advantage. You talk about the acclimation to the NBA. I think that's going to be different because you're not going from high school to college. You're going from college to the NBA. You're not playing with 16 to 18-year-old guys at one level, then 18 to 22 at the next level. You're playing with guys that are 19 to 40 years old. These are grown men. This is not just a little kitty stuff or the college-age stuff. These are grown men making millions that are coming for your spot to make more money. And so I do think, I'm not saying he doesn't have a dog in him, but I think it's going to be different. Because the first time you go into the NBA, you get on the, you go, you drive into the paint, and somebody hits you harder than you've ever been hit before. You fall to the ground, and he looks at you and says, welcome to the NBA, Rook, and goes to the other, other end of the court. That's a little shocking. I do think, though, he'll be able to be, find his groove. Maybe year two, beginning of year three, start to really get into his groove, and the game will slow down for him like it did during his freshman year at Ohio State. Was there? I, I know Jay. You said it was, it was sort of a steady escalation, peaking at the NCAA tournament. But I know um, he had that big thirty-five point game against Nebraska. Was that sort of the moment for you where the light turned on? You were like, "Oh, this this might be an NBA player after one year." So it's interesting because I never thought he was going to be a one and done player until uh, maybe towards the end of the year. I had I never thought that one and done was his move. If you were to ask me a month ago, end of the season. What should Malachi Random do? Stay in school. I saw a couple defi- – well, one big one – deficiency where it was like, buddy, stay in school. I, I understand not wanting to go to class. I understand not wanting to go to class and play basketball at the same time. I understand the appeal to be a professional athlete and to be an adult right now. I get all of that. But I, I still was not one to say one and done Malachi Random. It's a done deal. It wasn't that game. It wasn't the Nebraska game. And as you started to talk, that game popped into my head. It wasn't that game. It wasn't a game toward the, towards the end of the season. I would have still pushed him to stay in school um, just because that's where I firmly thought he would it was the best thing for him after one year at Ohio State. All right, we'll be right back with Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. We're going to continue our discussion on Malachi Branham, talk a bit about his other skills other than just the scoring, the the passing, the defense, those other things that are important on the basketball court. And, uh, you know, eventually gets some things that he could really work on in his game in the NBA. But first, I got to let you guys know today's episode is brought to you by Arcade One Up. Boom shakalaka. We have big news. The one, the only NBA jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, I agree, but they've made it bigger than ever with a wait for it Shaq edition machine. Uh, yeah, man, I <laughs> Shaq edition machine. One of my favorite players ever to watch. One of the best players in the game. So, you know, it's a pretty, pretty easy decision to get one with him right on it. And people are obsessed with NBA Jam. And I'm really thrilled to tell you guys, our listeners, that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. Jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA-licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from ArcadeOneUp.com. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com. For an estimated early September ship date, Arcade One Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, ooh, and many others starting at just $399.00. 
Check this out. They're giving away a NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked on listener. Come on, let's make sure that it's a locked on Knicks listener. That's the, the obvious choice. A locked on Knicks listener, the most sophisticated listener in all of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course. Uh, so if you want to enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave, you can head to arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade the number one up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? So skill set wise, I mean, it, it sounds like you think he maybe could have used some more seasoning. And I think I think that the workout process and the, the combine and all that stuff seems to be helping his stock quite a bit. I mean, you just mentioned that he, just, he got a green room invite, which means to me that the league probably thinks he's going to be a top 14 pick or so. Uh, which is quite the rise. He has more of a rep as a shooter, you know, as as like just a, a guy with a really sweet stroke. But tell me about some of the other parts of his game. Like, how do you see his his handle projecting to the NBA? Like, how developed do you think it is? Do you think he's a guy that's going to have the ability to like attack closeouts, to beat you off the dribble, that sort of thing in the NBA? Or do you think that he's really got to work on that aspect of his game? He does. He does. That ball handling. There was one area where I would tell Malachi Branham to work on before going to the NBA or even right now going into the NBA. It's his ball handling. He could be a secondary ball handler. I would not want him to be a primary ball handler. He could be an off guard, but I think there are times that you don't want him to have the ball too long where it's dribble, 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 dribble. I don't think that's his game. Pick and roll stuff or pick and pop stuff. I see him being the guy, the ball handler, and being able to uh, maneuver that way. He has a good mid-range game, but I do think that his ball handling, he was loose to the basketball quite a bit during his freshman year. But remember, he's a freshman. And so you kind of expect certain things to pop up. to come up on front street when you're playing the basketball simply because you are a freshman. This is your first time at this level playing basketball. So I firmly think the ball handling, that's one of the biggest keys because I do think you get to the NBA, I mentioned you're playing grown men. These guys know tricks of the trade that he has never, ever thought about. He has never heard of. And so if he's going to – he may get his, his pocket picked numerous times because these guys can read him, watch the film, and know exactly what his next move is going to be. And so I do think his skill set, though, his mid-range is phenomenal. I, I, I was blown away with how quickly and how good he was able to utilize that mid-range game, kind of an old-school look, uh, old-school mid-range game that's here in 2022 – I do like that aspect, but his ball handling to me was not just one thing I, I saw holes with and issues with. There were numerous people that I talked to that said, nah, his ball handling is not here, which, okay, we're talking about a kid that's 18 years old. Like, it's not the end of the world. One more year at Ohio State was something that even myself and those people even thought uh, one more year at Ohio State would be better. But if you're projected to be a lottery pick, I completely understand if you're ready to, if you decide to go to the National Basketball Association. What do you think allowed him to be so efficient despite that maybe subpar ball handling? Because obviously it helps maybe a guy we'll touch on later to play off of someone like EJ Liddell. And some of those looks could come off of spot ups. But and correct me if I'm wrong on this. My understanding was he was pretty good as a pick and roll creator. And he, he was able to find ways to get to the rim. And, and to your point in the mid range, like you have to, if not be a great ball handler, like either of like a functional handle or of good strength or just be really savvy to consistently get shots off in the mid range. Like, what what gave him that ability? Is that just sort of an advanced basketball IQ? And he's like, all right, I might not be able to cross this guy up, but I can compensate by coming off the screen the perfect way. Like, like how did he get to his spot so well? A couple things. 
one of them was what you just mentioned, him using um, so kind of using his NBA size and him really realizing how he can um, maneuver himself. But also Ohio State had an injury to their second best player on the team going into the season in Justice Suing. Justice Suing played one game, had, had, had an abdominal injury, I believe, before the year, played one game, didn't come back to the season. And that really thrust Malachi Branham into the spotlight because before that he was going to be the third option. Now it's EJ Liddell who you mentioned and who is going to be the next guy. Like these are things that conversations I had even on Locked on Buckeyes. Who is going to be the next guy? Because Liddell can't do it by himself. There were numerous games even during the season. It was Liddell and who else? Liddell and who else? And then eventually Liddell and Branham became, became a two-head, two-headed monster that teams had problems dealing with. It's unfortunate that we're saying an injury is the reason why Branham really was thrust into getting comfortable on the basketball court. But I firmly believe that was a big factor because Chris Holtman, I think, pushed him, pushed Branham to go harder on the court because the Buckeyes needed him to because without Branham, if it's, if it's Liddell and the others in the basketball team at Ohio State, the roster was not a good one. I don't know how they won 20 games, just to be honest with you, because I'm looking at, that, at the roster and how they played. I'm like, this is not a good roster put together, but they won 20 games. Branham began to flourish ultimately because of an absence to a player that was really talented. You know, I that kind of in, inspires me to ask this question. Like you mentioned, you said earlier, you know, that you weren't questioning, you know, does does Branham have the, the dog in him or whatever, you know. But given that context that you just gave, how do you feel about his mindset to like be challenged? And do, do you think that the – the fact that he got thrust into this secondary role that he wasn't necessarily expecting to be in, that probably his coaches weren't expecting him to be in, certainly draft professionals weren't expecting him to be in, that you know are now evaluating him and have probably turned him into a lottery pick in the NBA. Like, What do you think that says about him as a player, that he was able to step in and play the way that he did and then also show the improvement that he did uh, throughout every month of the season, as you mentioned, end up shooting like over 40% from three, flashing that that nice mid-range game, kind of a complete scoring package, like you said. Showed a lot. Showed a lot about who he is as a player. I know Chris Holman has pushed players previously. You guys may remember this name from last year's draft. Well, he didn't get drafted. Dwayne Washington Jr. Yeah, he um, now, a little on the Pacers this yes, year. Yes, <laughs> yes. Chris Holman ended up pushing Washington. I call him Jr. because I like nicknames. Chris, Chris Holman pushed Jr. a lot during that during his time in Columbus. Because Chris Holman believed in him. Chris Holman saw something in the way Washington Jr. that Jr. may have believed he had it, but he just needed somebody to give him the extra push, the extra nudge to go out there and go a little bit harder, get in his bag a little bit deeper to make big shots. And I do think that's a trend we saw with Branham simply because I mentioned earlier, yes, there was an injury that pushed him to go harder and to step up in a bigger way, but I think when you have that, when you see that a team like the Knicks or anybody else in the association are probably like, this guy has some some stuff in him. Now we got to work with him. He's a youngster. He's a teenager. So we have to work with him in his game, but he has some tools. He has some ability. He has a mindset that he could be pushed. And with all of that in mind, a lot of these NBA franchises will be looking for a player like Burnham to be that six, five wing player shooting guard set to be someone that, hey, you're not going to be a primary ball, ball handler. You could be secondary. Hey, you might not be a starter right there in your rookie year. You'll be a you'll be a rotational piece off the bench. 
We're going to push you to do some things now that you might not think you can do because we know how you'll respond based off how you did at, in your freshman year at Ohio State. It's a great thing to think about how Chris Holman pushed Branham. Branham responded. Branham got better. And now the NBA, these are some of the same things NBA teams will be doing if it's the Knicks, great, because, I mean, the Knicks would – I think the Knicks would love a player like Brandon on the roster. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I'm, I'm sure you probably checked it out too, Jay, but uh, Chris Fedora of uh, – I hope I'm getting his last name right – of Cleveland.com put out this really good piece on Brandon today. I was reading – it was talking about how throughout high school, like um, I think his uncle was a JV coach. He had an extra key to the gym. and was just constantly sneaking in like late nights, early mornings, and then Ohio State when he got up to that – really poor start and then kind of the breaking point according to chris was they had that that covid break halfway yeah. through the year because yeah. cases just got too high and then he just sort of like just went crazy in terms of his work rate and and going in at nights going in extra time in mornings and and got got a call from his, his high school coach drew joyce and was like like hey like you 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 can be great like you just like gotta go do it and and he turned a corner from that point forward um i, I wanted to circle back to something that you mentioned a little bit earlier when, when you said you, you believe he could be a secondary ball handler. To me, that means an improved handle, of course, but also that his passing chops are there. Because that's really what you need in the modern NBA, right? Your, your star scrambles the defense. He kicks it out to your secondary guy in the wing. And then we're seeing it with Jalen Brown right now on the Celtics. Like, he, he can attack a scramble defense. That might mean getting into his mid-range, getting to the rim, drawing a foul. But it can also mean driving in and, and kicking out to the next guy. Do you see that from Branham, that ability to – make that next pass, but both in terms of his willingness, his vision and, and sort of his creativity to say, Oh, the defense is rotating in rotating this way. I know where the next guy's going to be at all times. All right. We'll be right back with Jay to finish this episode up. We're going to finish talking about Malachi Branham and then bonus. We're going to talk a little bit about his teammate, EJ Liddell, who also figures to be a first round pick. So we'll get into that in just a moment, but this episode is brought to you by rock auto and with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure all the pointless and intimidating questioning about your car as they look up the parts on their computer that you know only they sell and it's for like a huge amount of money? And you're just like, dude, I should have just gone to the mechanic instead of doing this because this is charging me an arm and a leg. I can't even get the part today because there's this tiny little store and there's like a million different types of cars. There's no way they could possibly have what I want in this little store. And yeah, they, they order it from a warehouse. You come back, you pay the bill, and you're like, ugh, all that. And now I have to do the work myself, too, with how much that money was. No, working on your car should be fun. It should be less expensive than going to a mechanic. And that's why you need rockauto.com in your life. You could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? And you can just get them off rockauto.com. Rock Auto is also a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So you know they're going to take care of you and make sure that you are satisfied with your order and that it gets to you in a timely manner. On top of it, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. So unlike those chain stores, you're not going to get charged more than what a mechanic comes in and uh, you know gets charged from that place. You're going to get charged the same amount. And hey, mechanics... Check it out, too, because you might be able to get a better deal from rockauto.com than you're getting from your supplier right now. So check it out. If you want to see for yourself, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you decide to get something right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I do think that he'll be able to be that 
Um, secondary, I, got, I, I will also say what I just said earlier. Secondary ball handler, great. I still don't think that'll be him in his rookie year. I do. I would not go that far. I think he's a uh, a project type of guy because one, he's he's kind of thin. Like he has to put on some grown man strength. And so once he puts that on, I do think his ball handling will improve automatically because the strength in your arms and your hands and the thing that the muscles needed to dribble the ball to keep it nice and tight, he'll be able to do that a whole lot better once he puts on some of that grown man strength. But yeah, I do think so. We saw there were times throughout the season. He could take he could take over a game, or he would take some more shots, but he could also pass. I think there's a fine line by the right by having the right player understand. I know what I can do. Is it time for me to shoot, or is it, or is it time for me to pass? I think that that decision making at the next level will take some time for him. But I believe that's something that he can accomplish and be. I mean, be a pro that if the Knicks are the team that take him, that Knicks fans will love. If you were going to try to project him out in the NBA, uh, you know, you mentioned you've mentioned a few times probably like secondary ball handlers where you see him getting to within a few years. Do you think that's where he ultimately lands as a scoring guard? And I, I we have I realize we haven't really talked about this yet. Uh, and I honestly I'm not 100 percent where the numbers are on this, so I'll, I'll leave it to you to describe. But what's his game like on the inside? And do you think that he has enough finishing ability to turn himself into sort of an engine of an offense in a way, like if all the potential works out the best way it possibly could. And, you know, a lottery pick becomes a, a really good investment in this kid because he can clearly shoot the lights out. I think usually for guys like that, it's like, okay, well, can you get inside and finish around the rim? How much of that is going to be related to, to how much weight he puts on all that stuff? I mean, lots of, lots of questions there kind of baked into one, but how, how do you feel about his ability to, uh, develop his inside scoring game as it relates to his ability as a complete scorer in the NBA. Comfortable. I wouldn't say I'm over the top. I wouldn't say I love it as much as, as his mid-range game, but I do love the mid-range game. I love his ability to get inside. I'm comfortable with it, though. I'm comfortable with it right now. My hardest thing for him right now is with his size and knowing how he, that he's going to need to put on some muscle. I'm going to be looking to see how does that translate into him. Get, does it mess up his jump shot? Does it mess up his ability? He, I think he's going to get inside. I think he's going to have be comfortable getting inside and being a guy that can get inside. Um, but does that mess up his mindset? Does he get more strength in, go inside, drive inside, and take more shots of his own instead of passing it out? I do think there's a fine line there between mid-range getting better, improving driving, and being able to know the proper time to shoot the mid-range jumper, shoot the floater, shoot, drive all the way for the layup, or to pass it. I think that's something that I cannot say definitively. I I know what to expect, but I do think that with the work ethic, I, that I think what Gavin discussed, I do believe that he'll be able to figure things out. Let's put it that way. What do you what do you think of him defensively? Ooh, ooh, nice short question. I like that. That's kind of one of my staples. Um, defensively, it is something that... It's not a strong suit. It's not. Um, don't ask what game because the game is not on my at the top of my head. But I wouldn't say it's a strong suit. Like, I love his mid-range. I love his ability to shoot. He got better throughout the season. Defense, and I, I'm a person that likes hard-nosed good defense, no matter if it's inside or outside. I wasn't, I wasn't really there. I wasn't there at all. 
I, I don't, if, if you read a lot of things, I, I haven't read many, but I venture to think that they would discuss defense can't get better. Defense can't improve. Defense is maybe a little weak at times. I'm not the biggest fan of his defense. I also understand that, that the NBA, NBA game is a lot of three-point shots and layups, and uh, a lot of guys that can't play defense, they uh, find ways to stay in the NBA because of their shooting. I, I think Brandon's offense will keep him in the NBA. His defense does need to improve. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, that's certainly something that I think the Knicks will take a good hard look, hard look at because particularly from their wing and guard players, that seems to be a trait that they value a lot. Uh, Alex, I want to I I stop you really quickly. Sure. I, I know we don't interject like that, so I, mm-hmm. I apologize, but mm-hmm. good. I do think the length helps him. And mm-hmm. so where I think the lateral quickness and the lateral of movement, and just really a lot of defense is mental as well, like kind of projecting what's going to happen. His length assists him where there are deficiencies in his holes on defense. I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly say that. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. So you're like a mind reader. I was going to say, I thought <laughs> I thought he measured pretty well. And that's been part of what has been a selling point for him in this pre-draft process. And so I, I think that that can help your case some if they see the physical tools there. Now, granted, as, as Knicks fans, we've seen some guys on the team that had good physical tools that were great defenders. Like uh, they had Frank Nilakina, who had really good measurables and actually was a great defender, but couldn't figure it out offensively. You had Kevin Knox, who had good measurables, who really couldn't figure it out on either end, but no, mostly defensively. Um, so, you know, you can only project the physical, you know, traits out so far. But perhaps, I mean, this would be where I don't know how long Tom Thibodeau is for this world as far as the Knicks are concerned, but maybe even just a, I don't know, uh, a, a half season with Tibbs could be useful for uh, for Branham in that respect, you know. And also spending time with guys like Quentin Grimes and R.J. Barrett, who have a similar physical profile that uh, are really impactful defenders already after a year and change in the league. Um, I, I guess, though, I, I was kind of curious, and this is this is sort of broad uh, by comparison to, to what you were just saying a minute ago. How do you feel like his processing speed is on both ends? Like, do you think that he reads the game well? You mentioned earlier the that things seem to slow down for him at a certain point. You thought when things started coming around on the offensive end, but you also mentioned like on offense, he needs to work out that right read, you know, sometimes on defense, it seems like that it sounds like there's some lapses and stuff. Was there enough flashes on both ends that you think that like it? Cause honestly, if, if I'm giving like an honest assessment of one of the guys that I just mentioned, like Kevin Knox, for example, had all the physical tools to make stuff work, but I think that his processing just never caught up to the NBA level. Like he was just never able to see two steps ahead in the game. So I'm kind of curious if if that's the case with Branham. Like, do you think that he has the the good processing speed like that, where he can he showed flashes of being able to sort of uh, uh, have a premonition of what's going to happen on the court, or did it seem like he was trying to keep up with the action more often than not? Depends on the depends on the game. And I do think there were some times defensively processing was a little slow. I did discuss how the game did slow down. There are times that the game can't speed up. And I'm not trying to like say like, Jay, you're contradicting, contradicting yourself. Sometimes things can slow down, but then there are some of those moments where things ramp up and then you're processing because the intensity, the moment, the score, the clock, what your coach is saying, what your girlfriend said before the game, all that stuff hits you at the same time. And you're like, I just don't get it. So I do think some of the processing is was there. I do think there, there were some issues defensively. But like I mentioned, like I said, I'm I'm big on defense. 
he's 18 years old playing college basketball as a freshman. Like, that's going to happen. Those are expected. I expect those things to happen to anybody who plays college basketball as a freshman because it's not easy. I, I don't care if you're playing college basketball at all. Like, if you're a freshman or you're a freshman, freshman, it's your first time playing on a ba- college basketball court. It's not easy. And we saw that with Branham. So I rip, I may say, like, his processing may be slow, but I also could say that I think it can improve. It did improve. And with his work ethic that we discussed so well and so much throughout this episode, throughout this show, I do firmly believe that the work ethic and everything else there will be something, and it is something that this young man can use, can tap into, and that he can figure things out and the processing can be at the proper rate for him. That processing might be why defensively there were some issues for him. So that does kind of go hand in hand. It makes sense now that you mentioned how the game may process while he's while he's on the court. Um, I wanted to wrap up, Jay, by asking you a little about we mentioned earlier EJ Liddell, someone who probably won't be there for the Knicks uh, when they pick in the early 40s, but potentially someone. Um, Alex was talking about this a little bit pre-pod that they could move up for and try and get in. The Knicks have, have certainly not been shy to wheel and deal on draft night the, the last couple of years. So they, they don't have any aversion to jumping forward, jumping backwards. So if there's a guy they like, they're going to do their best to go and get him at the best value point. I say all that to say, is is he someone the Knicks should be interested in? Do you see him as someone who will stick in the NBA? And what are his strengths and weaknesses? Absolutely. If he's, is he going to stick in the NBA? Absolutely. Is he someone the Knicks should go after? Absolutely. I do think EJ Liddell brings a an interesting skill set, interesting height, interesting weight, and interesting ability to make an impact on both ends of the court. He can hit you at all three levels in a way that most guys 6'6", 240 might not be able to hit you. I do think he might slim down a little bit. Uh, I don't know exactly what his current weight is. I do believe he was 240 during the season. And I do believe his ability to get inside consistently. And at times when you don't think he's going to get inside, he has the proper angle, maneuvers that thing, and gets to the gets, gets to the bucket, makes a layup, foul. Mid-range game is not the same mid-range game as your Malachi Branham. As Malachi Branham may do a one or two dribble pull-up, E.J. Liddell's going to be someone that can use, put his back to the basket, back you down, fill you, and then use your body and hit the other players on the court to either score the basketball, shoot over you via a fadeaway, or pass off to get the assist or maybe even a hockey assist on the play. His three-point shooting was improved. Now, I don't have the prop, the exact numbers in front of me, so I'm not going to misspeak and say this percentage or that percentage, but his three-point shooting was something that was a bright spot. It was one that, at times, when I first started covering Ohio State, I was like, okay, Liddell, like, you can shoot him, but don't shoot so many. This past year, I was comfortable because he, he knew how to properly use them defensively was where I think that his transition defense was one that, that did improve on ball defense. I'm not going to say it was bet the best or even like one-on-one defense. It needs to improve but his ability in transition to get chased down blocks and just get blocks in general. It was one to where Liddell is a kind of guy that the NBA level six, six, two forty. You're not crazy tall. You're a little bit shorter, right? But you're not like crazy big. We have to come into the league and lose some weight. I do think Liddell is a player. That could be a player that you're looking at another rotational piece throughout his career. I do see a path for Liddell to be more of a journeyman just based off his skill set in the NBA. Now, maybe he may get to one team and they keep him for the duration of his career because he fits there. He fits the culture. Kind of like I think Udonis Haslam has always been there in Miami. Kind of like that role there. 
So I do personally see that. But I think Liddell, if the Knicks are somehow able to get Liddell either moving up in the first round or maybe he falls to the the 40s, I don't think it's going to happen. But if it does, it'll be a luxury because Liddell's the kind of guy that can come in and make an impact in in your rotation right away. Yeah, sounds pretty appealing to me. Sounds like certainly a guy that the Knicks should be looking at if they – decide to move on from Julius Randle and have more minutes open at that 3-4 spot. He certainly sounds like a really intriguing prospect to throw out there and play a little, little positionless basketball with a guy who's, who's as beefy as he is. So certainly someone to keep an eye on and someone that we will be keeping an eye on. But, Jay, uh, I think we could probably wrap up this episode. And uh, before we do, I just wanted to give you the floor one more time just to let everybody know where to find you online and you know where to find your work and all that good stuff. Alex, Gavin, this has been fun. If you could follow me on Twitter at jsteven 7 locked on Buckeyes every day of the week, even though it's the off season, we call it talking season. I do find things or there's plenty to talk about every day of the week. And so make sure to tap into locked on Buckeyes. We'll be doing some draft stuff coming up, leading up to the NBA draft over there as well. The Jay Stevens podcast comes out every single Monday. Recently had an interview with Ian Eagle, and I, that was a couple weeks ago, but I would encourage everyone to go check that out. And then uh, every Monday, Locked on Big Ten, myself and the host, Nate Dickinson, of the Locked on Big Ten podcast. Nate and I have fun just uh, chopping it up and discussing some fun off-season topics and how things might impact teams inside the Big Ten conference. All right, Jay, thank you so much, man. We, we need you to get some Knicks announcers on the pod. Little little Ed Cohen, little Mike Breen, little Kenny Albert. You know, just, just ba- ba- balance out that Nets influence. But thank you so much, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Uh, throw us a subscription on YouTube. Throw us some comments on YouTube. We love the interaction. Uh, but until next time, this is Alex. I'm Gavin, and a big thanks to Jay. Talk to you soon. Peace out.